something, build something, make something, and failed at it, like rottenly failed at it. Okay? Uh, you know, maybe, you know, sometimes you get an expectation of, you, you know, uh, I'm going to just make this little thingy key. And if it fails, it's okay. But when you put your heart to it, when you really put your heart to it, and you want to make this thing, and you want to make it beautiful, and you want to make it, and it doesn't work out, it kind of, it's very disappointing. It breaks your heart. So, well, growing up, my brother, my stepbrother, Michael, he, he's a bit artistic. He's got colors. Who, who understands colors a little bit? Okay. I'm not one of those people. Okay. Michael understood colors and he, he took this board and he's like, you know, painting these, you know, the mishmash of colors, like a very um, modern type of painting. And he, and he says, that's easy. Come, we're just going to mishmash this. Here's a board and here's the oils and, you know, just mingle it up and, and it will become out this beautiful thing of, you know. So I had this idea of making a board. And when I put it against my wall in my bedroom with all the photos of my high school, school sweetheart and an old Karenki. I'm going to put Karenki's photos. Karen, if you listen to this, God bless you. <laughs> Brought me a lot of joy. So, and, I, and I'm going to make this board. I'm going to hang it. I'm going to share the room with my elder brother, Llewellyn. So I make this board and I put these photos on and I'm so proud of it. But it, it looks tacky. <laughs> So, but I put it up because I made this now. Llewellyn comes in, and he's, you know, typical my older brother. He says, "What crap is that? I'm not sleeping in the room with that crap. Take it off." And immediately, how do you feel? You know, you failed at it, and we pull up our arms and we have a big dukes up, and we really had a good fat Barney. We didn't, we didn't play when we fought. We didn't do it verbally. We got physical, and we normally stop, and we were too exhausted to carry on. <laughs> The blood would flow like the rivers of Babylon. <laughs> but that feeling of failure, is, it's, it hurts. And no one wants to be reminded of it. So we're talking about the trap of divorce this morning. If you were to open your Bibles, Matthew 19. Now, it just, this comes after two, a whole chapter of forgiveness, by the way. So the Holy Spirit is doing something. He's trying to communicate to us today, but also to His disciples then that he takes us through forgiveness, and then the next thing he talks about, divorce. Now, divorce has caused a lot of people to leave church, feel unwelcome in church, and, and, and it's a big thing. And you know, divorce um, number inside and outside the church is the same, 50-odd percent, sometimes a little bit more. That's the divorce rate in the world, whether it's Christians or not. Prophet sings, sings a song, he says, uh, what it comes down to is that even though you might wear a three-piece suit, Okay, flesh remains flesh. Okay, so all of us are in the same category. We flesh remains flesh. Now, Jesus is chapter 19. This is the intro to chapter 19. You know that an intro is important. Who understands that an intro to anything is important because it, it creates the atmosphere or the positioning of what's coming? That's, this is where we need to move, this is where we need to be when we talk about this topic. Now listen to what it says. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and he came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. So he left one position geographically and he moved to another position geographically. He's saying to us, I want you to leave this space where you are at, move your whole being 
to a different place. I want to show you something about divorce. And listen to what he says there. And a great multitude followed him from one place to the other place. That should be us. We should follow him. And he healed them there. So when Jesus is present, there's healing. Physical, emotional, spiritual, there's healing. Jesus wants to heal. This is the intro on divorce. He wants to heal. He wants to take it from this place to this place. The, the Pharisees, who? The Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the guys that understood the law. They knew the law. They studied the law. And they used that to chop people down to size. Get them to line up. Get in queue. Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is the job of the Pharisees. This is what they did. They, they've, they've, we all know that they've lost the heart of God. They, we all know that. They came with law. They understood the law and they used the law for their own benefit. Okay? To control people, to get people into a place where they would, oh, the Pharisees. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him. What's their motive? Is this a nice motive? Have you met people that want to test you? They come into a dialogue with you, a conversation. All they want to do is test you. They want to see where you're at, who you are. And just to have an, some ammo against you. I'm too naive for that. I miss that completely all the time. Then afterwards, somebody will tell me, you know, they were after that. And it's like, oh, really? I missed that. The kite went way over my head. Way over my head. So the word testing there is a Greek word. I'm not good at Greek. Piarazo which test, endeavor, scrutinize, enticed, or tempt. So they are tempting Jesus. With what are they tempting Him? To fall into their nature. Their nature is to condemn. Their nature is to be legalistic. Their nature is to come and say, this is the law, either you fall in or you get a hiding. Whenever we take any piece of Scripture, any piece of Scripture, and this is a challenge. It challenges me constantly because people will ask you questions. And they will ask you about the Bible. And they will ask you what does the Word of God say? And is this right? And is this wrong? It's difficult to answer people not in a legalistic answer. They're enticing Jesus. Will you condemn the divorced? Will you judge them? Will you throw the law at the divorced? This is what he's doing. And the church in broad has fallen for the trap of divorce. To judge them, to alienate them, to look down at them. Forgetting the feeling of failure. Forgetting what it feels to fail miserably. None of us starts building a house and when it gets to roof height, stop building and feel we've achieved success. The Pharisees also came testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? You see there it says, any reason. So in Deuteronomy 24 verse 1, I didn't give it to them, I'll read it to you. Deuteronomy 24 verse 1. Lucky Deuteronomy is a thick book. It's easy to find. Okay. 
Verse 1. This is what uh, Moses writes. When a man takes his wife and marries her, and it happens that he find, she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts her, it in her hand, and sends her out of his house. This is what they're quoting. So this is what people don't know about the culture. What happened, and this is what human nature does. As humans, we do this. We take something and, and it now legitimizes what we do. So we go to the furthest extent of that. So what was happening, you can read in um, historical texts, that the Jews, who are now God's people, who know the Jews are God's people? Okay? So we're all praying for the Jews in Jerusalem and Israel right now for the war. Okay? But actually, it's the believers that become God's people. Yes, they are genetically His people, but it's more the believers. But these Jews became, we are God's people. And our God allows us to divorce. You see, after the first two years of honeymoon, and now suddenly love is not blind anymore, and her voice has just become screechy. You know, who knows what I'm talking about? Don't put up your hand. Don't go there. <laughs> Okay, that voice becomes screechy, or then it's like, oh, what did I do? I'm going to listen to this voice for the rest of my life. Or somebody kill me. <laughs> Who knows that? Or they wake up and, you know, after two years, love is not blind anymore. And the only feeling you get is, I want to run a hole in a wall to get away. And it looked like a cartoon. You've seen those cartoons. You just see this, or... Just turn around. The husband has now become hard. He's no more this romantic, soft guy because he's got the milk now, so he doesn't much care about the cow anymore. Yeah. That took a while. <laughs> you know, as long as he gets the milk. But he's become hard and he, he prefers to just be on his own and now, honeymoon, now, the, now this initial infatuation is over. Moses says, well, give her a divorce letter, let her go. Get yourself a new one. So the Jews said, well, our God allows us. We don't have to get stuck with that woman for the rest of my life. Where the others, their gods didn't allow them to get divorced. They could go in polygamy. You can marry that one and add and add and add another one and add another one and add another one. And then you see that. Huh? Some of us are like, really, don't say anything. <laughs> it's slippery ground. <laughs> Just say, that's not me. I love my wife. <laughs> but imagine having another one. Oh, my word. Now, those Amish people, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I'm being naughty. <laughs> All right. So, so now the Pharisees, they are asking this question from this perspective. They're asking, can we just divorce her for anything? Moses allowed us when we got sick and tired of her, just give her a letter, send her back to the family. Women weren't allowed to divorce their husbands in those days. You know that. Why? Because they had nothing. So they had to go back to their father's house. So it's almost cruel. But that's just our society today. It's a little bit different. Women work, they earn their own living, and, and, and. So we can turn that thing around and say, you can't just divorce your husband for no rhyme or reason. Or can I? Can I just give him a letter? 
when he's become a brute. And all he wants to do is drink brandy in the garage, you know, and grind at six o'clock in the morning. You get guys like that. They start the mower at six o'clock on a Sunday morning. They're like, and the missus is moaning, can, we, can I sleep in this? this? Yeah, sleep in, darling. I'm getting it. What did you say last night? What did you tell me? All right. So, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And right there we have to stop. In our society and what we face today, we have to decide how did God create us, male, or fe- male and female, or 101 g- genders. And your sex doesn't determine your gender and the way you look. I can't call you sir because I've now just assumed your gender by having to look at your beard and your Adam's apple. <laughs> I'm a woman. I'm a woman. You've got a smoking problem, I see. <laughs> um, or you, it's difficult. I was working, walk, working in a chemist one day, and I said, hello, miss. The lady was older, so I assumed she was married. I said, hello, ma'am. Or Mrs. Mrs. I said, Hello. I said, Are you assuming that I am married? Do you see a ring? I see the, oh, she's divorced. But that anger and that pain is there. And she scolded me and I'm like, I'm sorry, what must I call you? Can't call you lady after that, can I? <laughs> I've got another word that we use it to describe dogs. <laughs> You know, yeah. No, well, that she went off me like that, but I didn't say anything. I kept that to myself. You'll be proud of me to know that. <laughs> um, male and female, he created them. Male and female. Your gender, your sex determines your gender. That's how God designed you. God's not confused. Okay. If you've got an Adam's apple, you're a man. If your voice is like low, you're a man. if you've got this fair, beautiful skin, you're a lady. Okay. You really. So now, within that comes the definition of marriage. The definition of marriage has evolved and is under immense attack in the world right now because initially the, 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 the definition of marriage was between two people, a covenant between two people. Now we have to define it. We had to start defining it. It is a covenant between a man and a woman. But that's not suffice anymore. It's not good enough because we have now have to escalate this conversation to, and this is my version, it's a natural man or original man in his natural condition and an original woman in her natural condition. That's a marriage. Now, I'm not saying that by, because there's a lot of people that are legally married, but that's not a marriage. That's not a biblical marriage. That's not how God created it. He didn't create somebody that's gone through a sex change to marry somebody that's gone through a sex change. Now we've got a male that used to be a female marrying a female used to be a male. You know, are you following? Can you let Bible? Because then you've got, be, you got to be, that's not a marriage. You have to be a woman, born as a woman in your natural condition, marrying a man who is a man and he's born a man. That's, that's what God meant by a man and he made them male and female. He made them. And he said, for this reason, they shall leave, or he shall, a man shall leave his father and mother's house. Okay, so here's the thing. You've got to leave your dad's house. 
please, sir, you need to leave your house. The way you grew up, you need to leave that behind. Madam, while I was raised like this, you need to leave that behind. You need to leave, leave what their marriage and their house looked like. Good or bad, you need to leave because you are starting your own family. It's not welcome to the family. It's I'm starting my own family. Yes, I can take values and manners and principles that I was taught and implement it and find them. We can find a gel, a chemistry where we find it comfortable. This is our marriage. This is our family. This is how we're going to do. We need to leave. And the second part is just as important. And the two shall become one flesh so that they are no longer two but one. Therefore, I'm missing a part here. And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The other translation says cleave. All right? There needs to be cleavability. Okay? If you are, I'm going to start off with the males. If you are hard and brazen and absent-minded, you're not cleavable, are you? You're not. Now, madam, maybe you've stopped wanting to be cleaved too. Do you follow what I'm saying? You don't want to be cleaved. Don't hold me. Don't touch me. It's like, it's the varam. You're all over me. You're smothering me. Is that all you can think of? <laughs> you've become uncleavable. Uncleavable. So, maybe, you know, I know when I'm come home when my wife is cleavable or when she's not. Now, normally when she's not, she's on her broom, hovering <laughs> in the top of the house, and her curly hair has gone straight. Then I know you cannot, she's not cleavable. And see, there's this pitch, most men will relate to this, there's this pitch in a female's voice. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's just... You, you, no, no, Rustin, you can admit this. There's honesty and truth in it. They all have it. You see? Just that's, 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 there's that pitch right there. And that pitch is not cleavable. You can't cleave to that. You can't It's like, and all you want to do is run. You want to run for the hills, emotion. And men... When we become completely cut off, we're not cleavable, or we just irritated the whole time. Who wants to cleave to that? Or needy, who wants to cleave to that? You need to become cleavable. We need to leave our house and cleave to one another, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then there will no longer be two, but one flesh, therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. And this is where the church comes in. And they start condemning people. What God has put together, you're not allowed to separate. Bah, 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 bah. Who is Jesus talking to you? Lest we forget the Pharisees. You see, what they are doing is say, Moses gave us a certificate to hand out. I'm sick and tired of this woman. Next one, please. And now he comes and says, no, 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 no. This is not what God meant by that. He says, you need to cleave to your wife. Don't you separate what God has put together. He's talking to the Pharisee. He's not talking to the sinner. He's not talking to the divorcee. 
He's not talking to that. He's not talking to people that have failed. He's talking to self-righteous, arrogant, legalistic people that think they are better than others and they've got the law and working it in their case. Condemning people with that. That's the Pharisee. We need to shoot the Pharisee in ourselves. You need to shoot that Pharisee. Just kill him. All right? Because we can't walk. It, the minute we use any scripture to do that to people, we are using the tool incorrectly. Completely incorrect. It is grace. Jesus never condemned a sinner. Never. What did he do to the prostitute? He wrote in the ground. What did he do to the woman that was caught in adultery? He said, you first, who's got no sin? You cast the first stone. What did he do to the tax collector? Come be my disciple. The robber and the thief. He never condemned the sinner. He did condemn the self-righteous, pompous, arrogant, prideful Pharisees over and over again. Call them, you are whitewashed walls, brothers, kinders van slanger. Your father is a snake. That's what he called them. Whitewashed walls. Nice and beautiful on the outside, but inside there's corpses, rotten. Kill the Pharisee. But have mercy towards those that sin, that those that make mistakes, that fall. Because that's the heart of Jesus. Wherever Jesus is, there's healing. He wants to bring healing to people that have failed. This conversation he has, in, has now is the Pharisees that think, but we've got a letter, Moses goes on a letter. Na, 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 na. Okay. And then they ask him, listen to what they ask him. They, then they said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? Is any one of you done some counseling before? Being the person that counsels other people. Just, have you done a bit of counseling? If I do, the other day I did four counselings in three days. I couldn't lift my head for the rest of the week. Tired. Finished. I, I'm like, no more. I can't see another person. I don't want to talk to anybody. I, I want to go sit by the ocean and watch the waves for the rest of the week. It drains you. Now Moses had a couple of million of couples and their problems. And they all came to him. Imagine that. Just 10,000 couples, and I'm underplaying. In 10,000 couples, you'll probably have 9,000 couples with problems at the same time. And they would come to Moses. He doesn't want to do this. This woman that I'm married. How do you think this guy is going to feel after two years? He's going to be exhausted. Okay, so after a while, his father-in-law said to Moses, you're going to kill yourself. So what Moses did is, listen, 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 listen. I'll tell you what. If you can't get along with her, give her a letter of divorce and send her away. Because I am not going to be able to counsel all these people and walk them through, you know. Because people are complicated. The marriage is messy and difficult. That's why Moses wrote this. God didn't say this. Moses said this. 
He said to them, this is what Jesus answers them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Why did Moses permit it? Because of the hardness of their hearts. So I've shared with Rustin, what is the definition of a hardened, hardened heart? A hardened heart is a heart that doesn't break anymore. You see, we all think as Christians, as believers, and we've got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on the inside of us, we've become strong and uh, we don't break anymore. A heart of stone, a hardened heart, has lost its ability to break for another person, to break for its own sin. Jesus, I'll remove the hardened heart and give you a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh is a heart that breaks. Love hurts. Marriage hurts. Loving people hurts. Sometimes your spouse turns into a porcupine and you still have to hug them. Okay? That's a heart of flesh. Now, but Wilco, I don't have a heart of stone. I don't have a heart of stone. Okay? Listen to this. This is how a heart of stone sounds. If he ever cheats on me, that's it. If she ever cheats on me, that's it. I won't forgive it. It will be the end of my, the story. That's a hardened heart. Because it really decided it won't break for the other person. Because who's made a mistake before? Who's stuffed up before? Who's failed miserably before? Nice feeling. Nice feeling. We put it on our te top 10 things to do. Fail miserably at something that I would never have wanted to fail my whole life. Bucket list thing. No. If you cheat on me, I'll ne I'll, that's it. It's for bye. It's for bye. You see, that's a hardened heart. Moses says, because of your hardened hearts, because you've lost the ability to break, to feel for somebody else. Actually, you've become a Pharisee. Just the law. See, you deserve that. You deserve that. Jesus never condemned a sinner. Never condemned a sinner. He never condones sin, but he never condemned a sinner. He always has mercy. He always wants to heal. Can you see the move that we need to make? From that side to this side. And that's not saying you can do whatever you want to. That's not what he's saying. He's saying don't have a hardened heart. Don't condemn. Don't take the law. Don't be legalistic towards people. I mean, then they make a mistake in your eyes. You now deem it your responsibility to voice your opinion. And tell them exactly, put them straight. That's not the heart of God, ever. Ever. If you cannot do that with love and mercy and cause freedom, because where the Spirit of the Lord there is, freedom. If you cannot cause reconciliation, what is reconciliation? Reconciliation, man with man, man with himself, and man with God. You are using the tool incorrectly. You're taking the law and you're chopping people to size to what you think 
This is the box of how it ought to be. Just like a Pharisee. That scares me. It makes me want to close my trap. Honestly, it scares me because you've got to do it with so much love. You really have to love that person. You really have to care about it. Your heart has to break for that person that makes the mistake. Does that make sense? What do we do with the divorcees? What has the church done for millennia? Let's condemn those that got divorced. Alienate them. Oh, that's a single lady. She's divorced. Just put her there. That's how it sounds. Watch out. She's single. Oh, I don't want to be stuck with that guy in the room alone. He just gives a oh, creepy vibe. Rather than saying, and my heart break for that person. When last have I driven past a prostitute and my heart break for her? Hardened heart. When last did my heart break for the beggar with a child on the corner? And I'm first and for foremost guilty in this. But that guy knocks on my window. There's only one thing that goes through my mind. Where is my Roman cartridge that has got these blades that cut their legs off? I'm going to drive off. It's going to go, stop, go home. I'm the first guy. I know, vivid imagination. I've thought about building blades in underneath the car. You push a button, a blade comes out. It's anti-hijack method. You know, guy comes in, he's like, give me your car. Where are you going now? You've gone. Um, I know, I know. It is difficult to let our hearts break. And that's a hardened heart. That's a hardened heart. That's why the Lord said, well, I allowed Moses to write this. Because of your hardened heart. Well, a mustache cheats on me just once. It's the end of the story. I tell you what, that's a hardened heart. You see, where does this letter of divorce come from? Jeremiah 3 verse 8. God gives His people a letter of divorce. God sends His people away. He says, you are adulterers. He's speaking to Israel. He has a letter of divorce and He sends them away to Babylon. Go be in captivity. But what does he also do? He goes and fetch them. And he brings them back. And then they become adulterers again. They go after their pleasures and their heart's desires. And, and he lets them go. He sends them, he has a divorce, letter of divorce. And he sends them away again. And he goes and fetches them. You see, your marriage is the highest form of relationship on the face of the earth. There's no higher form of relationship. Not with your child, not with your buddy, but with your spouse. That's the highest form of relationship. It represents God's relationship with man. That's why he is the bridegroom coming back for his bride. A pure and spotless bride. We've all made mistakes. You know that all of us are guilty of adultery. Do you know that? Because if once, Jesus is standing, if you looked at another person and thought about something, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So all of us, if we're honest, have stepped into that. Am I right? We've all seen that guy with the nice calves. Hey, ladies. <laughs> Somebody's laughing. <laughs> or that young flower. <laughs> she doesn't walk, she hovers. 
There it goes. All of us. That's Jesus' definition of adultery. All of us have fallen into that. Some have acted on it. Some haven't. Jesus says, I'll come and fetch you. I've got mercy for you. I want to heal you. Every time he sends them away, he goes and fetch them. Every time you and your spouse reconcile, it doesn't matter what you thought about. Every time you reconcile, you are saying one thing and one thing only to your children and the people in the world around you. Jesus is coming back. He's forgiven me and he's coming back to fetch me. That's what he's communicating. That's what we can communicate. Jesus is coming back. And those that are divorced, that have gone through the pain and the failure and the hurt of divorce, He says, I want to heal you. I want to heal you. I don't want to condemn you. I don't want to throw the law at you. It's not His heart. Where Jesus is, there's healing. Where the law is, there's condemnation. Jesus' conversation is here with the law. He's here with the Pharisees you want to condemn, and they're enticing him, they're luring him in. And that's what happens to us. We get tempted to join the conversation of condemnation. Have you heard that one, that, that again? Hmm? Yeah, that person did this. Oh. Have you heard those conversations? Maybe we've been part of those conversations. The conversation of condemnation, whether it be about marriage and divorce, or just somebody struggling with something. And I've joined that conversation rather than saying, Tula, let him who has no sin cast the first stone. Oh, I forgot. The Lord starts with the plank in my eyes. And then he says, deal with the splinter in your brothers. Or are you so blind that you cannot see the plank in your own eye? That's what law does. That's what law does. And the, our flesh gets drawn to that. We don't want, we need to shoot the Pharisee. We need to kill him in our inside. Say, Lord, I want to move from Yah to this place of grace and healing towards sinners, towards people that are actually trying to serve you. They're actually trying to serve you. People that are in church this morning, are, you just look at your neighbor. Just please look at your neighbor. Just everybody, just look around you for one second. Just look around. These are people that are trying to love the Lord the best they can. They are, yeah. They're trying. No, I'll tell you what. I don't like the way you do that. Mm -mm, no, 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 no. My standard, my box. Ma, this is where I am. That's not grace. That's not love. That's not mercy. That's condemnation. That's the work of the law. God wants to heal. And I say to you, verse 9, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. So what he's saying here is that if your spouse commits sexual adultery, 
And you cannot find it in your heart to work through that and to forgive. It's permissible to get divorced. Not you must. Marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling, if he ever cheats on me, I divorce him. Klar, boom, in a funny story. Hardened heart. Oh, I better not find her cheat on me. Oh, she'll be dead. I tell you what. It's a hardened heart. The Lord says, if there is a reason that I'll permit you to do this. If you cannot work through it, if you can't find yourself to forgive and work through the pain and the rejection and the whatever you want to call it, that process, if you can't do that, then you can get divorced. But if you just divorce to get married, because that's what they were doing, the Pharisees were walking around, ah, oh, he's a new model, new kit on the block. It says, ne? your part. You go to your mother, you in any case, you know, go to your dad, you constantly compare me to him. <laughs> you, my father never did this. Fantastic. Go to your daddy. <laughs> Hello, sweetheart. <laughs> but meantime, she's also divorced, now committing adultery. Because you're divorcing to get married, divorcing to get married, divorcing to get married, divorcing to get married. This is what they were doing, legalistic. We're not talking about people that failed and that hurts. Not talking about them. He's talking to the Pharisees. This is important church that we understand God's position on divorce. He wants to heal. That's why we've got the intro of healing. Not because things didn't work out, now we condemn them. Now his disciples come into the program. Now they could join the conversation. His disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. You see, the cultural thing is hitting through right here into his disciples. This is us. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Okay, this is the cultural challenge. They're looking at this and say, we have all the time been allowed to give a divorce letter. Even the Pharisees said, that woman, she's making you mal. Just give her a letter, send her to her daddy. Okay, just send her away. Now they say, no, no. You marry that woman, you stay married. Now his disciples say, if this is the case, Lord, you're telling me that woman I married 25 years ago, okay, she's double the woman she used to be. <laughs> Someone's got to catch it. Uh, my uncle said the other day, he's looking for a wife that has had the plastic surgery and the tummy tuck and the, um, the eye op and, you know, all the jobs, because then he doesn't have to pay for it. Rof, 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 rof. Lord, you're telling me I've got to stay married to that woman? He says, uh, yes, you can't give her. Now they're saying to him, if such is the case that I must get married to that woman, stay married, it's better for me not to be married. <laughs> You see, this is what the scripture says. You know what? Don't get married. Don't get married. Marriage comes in the way of your relationship with the Lord. Marriage comes in the way of your calling. It says that in the Bible. It says that. Rather dedicate yourself to the Lord. But now Jesus also brings balance to that. He says, 
all cannot accept this saying. Not everybody can handle this, but only those who have been given to. I only know four or five people my whole life that they've been single their whole life and they've been coping and it's normal and they're happy. The rest of us, sorry. We're lonely. We need, a, we need companionship. We need friendship. There's an itch to be scratched. For there are Enochs who were born thus from your mother's womb. Those are people that are castrated, born that way. And there are Enochs who were made Enochs by men. The kings used to do that for the people that work in their Harlem. So they chop it off and now you work in the Harlem. Okay? So that you cannot get to his wives. That's why they did it. And they are Enochs who are made themselves Enochs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. But for the rest of us, it is a difficult saying to be alone and single for the rest of our lives. But there are some that can do it. Here's what Jesus is saying. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. Find yourself a wife. The two of you be cleavable. Just be cleavable. Because once you're cleavable, it makes it a whole lot easier. It's very difficult to cleave to a porcupine. Very difficult. Or a cactus. Or tricks Some are so... The, the, their thorns are so small you can't see it until you come close to them. It's like, tricks Why am I hurting? Yeah. Don't have a heart of stone. Have a heart of flesh. Because we all make mistakes. And those people that have gone through the pain of divorce, they need our love, they need our acceptance, because Jesus wants to heal them. Please bow your heads, close your eyes. No good we preach about this. And we don't say, Lord, we want to minister to those people that have gone through divorces. Some of you are still hurting from that divorce. Some of you have stopped hurting because of hardness of heart. Some of you have felt the condemnation, the abandonment, the rejection of somebody that you loved so dearly. Some of us are so disappointed with that failure. It was never our plan, never our dream. And that, that divorce came in a place where it was like unbelievable, caught you off guard, completely off guard. It hurt you. There where you are this morning. I want you to just open your hands. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Everybody's eyes are closed. I just want you to open your hand and be in a receiving mode. Jesus is here to heal you. He is the same Jesus from Matthew 19. He hasn't changed over the decades and the millennia. He is the very same God today. He says, I want to heal you. I want you to hear, listen to my voice. And I want to come and apologize on behalf of the church. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if, if I've judged you. I'm sorry if, 
as church, we have pushed you aside. As Christians, we've alienated, looked down on you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the pain that we caused. I want to come and stand in that place of Jesus saying to you this morning, my child, I love you. And this is not who was right and who was wrong in your marriage. I know that it hurt and it was hurting for a long time when that breakup came, when that failure came. All I hear the Word of God says, I bind up the brokenhearted. Your heart might have been shattered in a thousand pieces. But I'm here to bind it up and to put it together. Lord, show me a picture how some of you that are divorced and have gone through divorce actually look around and you see other couples and it hurts you so deeply. The Lord says, I'm coming now to heal. I remove from you the venom of that trauma right now. In Jesus' name. The ointment of the Holy Spirit. The pouring out of the love of God. That you are forgiven. You are set free. You are my child. You are not my second hand child. You are not the black sheep of my family. You are not my child that got divorced. I don't look at you like that. I paid the price for you. And I remember it no more. The pain, the mistakes, the sin. I forgive you. I release you from that. In Jesus' name. Where you are, I want, you to, I want to challenge you just softly in your heart and your mind. Would you make the decision to forgive your spouse that divorced you? That might have cheated on you. Maybe you're not divorced yet. Maybe you found your spouse cheating on you. Would you, where you are now, make the decision to forgive your spouse? Just say it in your heart of hearts. Father God. I choose with my whole heart. Lord, even though I'm breaking, to forgive so and so. My husband, my ex-husband. Maybe you know the counterpart. Forgive that person too. I choose to forgive. Release them now in Jesus' name. Bless them. Where you are, just bless them. Just bless those that hurt you. Just bless them. Say, Father, I bless them. May they prosper. 
May they find love. May they be happy. Lord, thank you for your healing for me right now. I receive your healing. I receive you picking up the pieces of my being and putting it back together. Breathe new life into my heart, Lord, that I might love again. Maybe what I've said this morning, you've realized that there's a heart of stone embedded in your chest this morning. Won't you just open up this morning? Allow the Lord to remove that. And this is how it sounds. If Father, softly, just gently in your heart and your mind, you don't have to, I don't want to expose you. He said, Father, I realize this morning I have hardened my heart, making me unbreakable, making me not feeling other people, making me resentful and judgmental. I'm sorry, Lord. Lord, I am the clay and you are the potter. Will you remove this heart of stone from me, Lord? Place in me a heart of flesh, a heart that can break. Lord, pour out your love in my heart right now by the Holy Spirit. I receive that promise now. A heart that can feel your heart. A heart that can feel for people. Just like you, Lord. I want to cry over Jerusalem. I want to feel again, Lord. I want to experience your forgiveness and your mercy and your love again. I want to be able to receive people's love again. Lord, I want to be able to love people without having to jump over a wall. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are ministering to us this morning. That your healing is flowing from chair to chair. And that is your heart, seat to seat, person to person. Right now, and changing lives. Changing the trajectory of people's lives completely. Their the relationships. Thank you that you are shifting marriages right now in Jesus' name. Lord, some of us are stuck with a single spirit in a marriage that you would remove that single spirit from us to that of a marriage. Lord, help us this morning to forgive our spouses, to say, I'll take you back. I'll forgive you again. And again, and I'm not going to count, I'm not going to keep count of how many times I've been. I'm going to keep coming to get you and bring you back and reconcile because I want the world to know that you have forgiven me and you coming back for us. I want to walk in the spirit of marriage this morning, Jesus, for the rest of my life. I might not have understood it. I might be married, but I might have never walked in this spirit of marriage. I want to walk 
in the spirit of marriage. I want to cleave to my spouse. I want to be cleavable. I want to walk in the spirit of marriage. Because you have laid down your life to purchase us once and for all. You don't let us go. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. And the same I want to extend to my spouse this morning. Lord, maybe I need to just forgive my spouse for something severe. Grant me the grace to do that, Lord. Jesus, come and be glorified this morning in our hearts. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for setting us free this morning, Lord. Lord, thank you that you lift the burden, the heaviness, and the failure of divorce off people now. Lord, that they can walk up straight, redeemed and delivered, children of God. Lord, thank you that you are taking yokes off marriages that have been work, walking under the burden of the things for years and years. Lord, that that is off now because they've made a decision to become cleavable. Longing for one another. Thank you, Jesus. That as we go out this building this morning, we can carry a message for the divorce, that we will not fall in that trap of condemnation. We will love them. We'll have mercy on them. If you want more prayer, you're welcome to come here afterwards. Won't you stand with me and I want to bless you. Father, I thank you for your children this morning. And I bless them this morning, Jesus, with the love, the unwavering, unending love of our Father. With the bountiful grace of Jesus that laid down His life. And the fellowship that takes away loneliness, that empowers us and strengthens us. Of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you want more prayer, you're more welcome. You're welcome to come to the front.